Welcome to Pop to the Lou, where we share hilarious, embarrassing, heartbreaking, and inspiring stories of living life with IBD. This is purely for entertainment purposes. This is not medical, health, or even life advice, so do not take anything we say seriously. Welcome back to episode 14 of Pop to the Lou. Today, we are going to be sharing an interview with you that we did with Dr. Jessica Mack, who we absolutely adore. She is incredible. She has her own personal Instagram account, as well as she runs More Than Meatless Monday. So definitely check out their website. That will be linked as well as her Instagram account for that. Some incredible recipes. I'm loving the cookie dough recipe made with Greek yogurt. And Cass has mastered the mason jar overnight oats. But before we get into it. We've taken a photo of the empty jar after you ate it. So we got a photo of your dirty dishes, which counts for something maybe. (laughs) Before we get into more about Dr. Jessica Mack, should we do a mind and gut check-in or just a check-in overall? What have you been up to lately, babe? I'm all good. I'm a bit stressed at work. I'm not really sleeping because of, yeah, just being, yeah, just being a bit overwhelmed at the moment, but we will be fine. I just need to as we all know, get into a good routine and yeah, make sure I'm not doing those very, very, very long hour days trying to catch up with work when we know that actually working to whatever time at night is completely counterproductive and you don't do any good work when you've been working all day at night. Everyone put those laptops (laughs) down. You just, the next day you're like, oh yeah, I've done loads of work. And then you look at it and you're like, what a load of shite that was. (laughs) So yeah, so I need to get out of that habit at the moment. But apart from that, Mm. I'm all right. This podcast does make me kind of check in a bit, I think. Why? (laughs) Because, you know, when you like listen to yourself back and you're like, oh my God, like I'm verging on having a drink problem. Oh my God. I've realized my stomach is really bad every time I drink. Oh my God. Like I talk about poo far too much. Oh my God. I'm sat in bed eating cheese every night. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Fine, babe. It's totally fine. This podcast does make you take check of yourself, but hopefully I need to start making some improvements yeah I think well whatever who cares we're workaholics one of us has a cheese addiction we're coming to terms with it it's fine the mind and gut check-in <laughs> how's your gut yeah good yeah good it's um it's fine it's just um it is literally like I know myself so well like if I feel if I'm starting to feel stressed literally my cramps will start I don't know yeah. if anyone else feels like that out there when you're starting to feel stressed whether it's personal professional whatever my cramps literally start and I'm like okay the only thing I would say Crohn's wise this week I am so tired I am beside myself tired this week and I've like I know I'm not sleeping very well but I'm you know I'm just beside myself tired you have a lot going on at the moment work-wise and life-wise so how have you been babe I've been okay I feel like my energy actually has been going up a little bit I have gone a couple days recently without napping Today wasn't one of them, but there have been a couple days that I made it through the whole day without a nap. So I was quite impressed with that. And I actually, okay. Six month old. Yeah, I pretty much am. (laughs) I feel like I deserve a nap during the day to keep me working until like 10, 11 o'clock at night. Example A, it's 9 p.m. here and we're still recording. And my mind has been okay. I'm just stressed. We have so much going on. Exciting things, but it's a lot. It's very, very, very time consuming. 
One of the things is our mind and body journal, the IBD journal. We mentioned it last week and we were so excited. We're going to be coming out with it officially releasing on March 17th. But if you'd like one of the very first copies, go to our Instagram account, find the post, which will be clearly labeled. And you can either tag somebody in the comments who also has either IBD or just any kind of stomach issues that would like a mind and body journal and take them in the comments. Or if you'd like to just tell us how you like to start your day, just comment below and we will be selecting two random people to give a copy away to. Yay! This was something we were really passionate about. So obviously Sarah and I both journal and I always encourage people in my life personally and professionally to journal as well because I just think it helps in so many ways in relation to any any health and, and just I think kind of ending your day and starting your day in a really positive way. So this is something we wanted to work on right from the start. So yeah, we really, really hope that you guys enjoy it and, and make use of it like we do and it benefits you in a variety of ways. Absolutely. Should we do our moment of gratitude? Yeah, for sure. So my gratitude is going to one of my best mates, Morgan, this week, because he, whenever I'm really stressed at work or just a little bit all over the place, he literally just constantly checks in, has a go at me, as well as sends me like motivational quotes and texts and videos and stuff like that. So he's amazing. I love you to absolute death. He's one of my closest mates who I've known all my life. He's been brilliant. Um, over the last kind of week or two because yeah I have been a little bit stressed and everything so he's just been checking in and and picking up the phone sending all sorts of messages um, morning noon night so yeah and he's one of the busiest people I know so the the fact that he takes the time to do that um, yeah it's just incredible but yeah he's amazing and I don't know what I'd do without that man in my life what about you Sarah? I guess mine isn't so much a moment of gratitude but I just wanted to do a little shout out to everybody that is going through something at the moment oh gosh it's been what are we in like the sixth week of 2022 and I know five people that have passed away from friends families a couple from my family and another one of my best friends her dad is going through some medical stuff as well so just a little sending some love out to everyone that is struggling at the beginning of the year not a great way to start the year losing your parent or yeah, I think it's just, it's been heavy uh, start to the year. So definitely thinking of everybody and sending you so much love. Absolutely. And similarly to everyone out there, because I know that there's so many people going through ill health following on from the winter seasons. Should we get into the interview? Definitely. She was so lovely. I really enjoyed talking with her and As much as we loved her recipes, it was great hearing from her, like her story and what she's been through. I honestly didn't realize any of her journey with IBD. So it was really good to hear the detail behind that and the career changes she's made and raising a child going through it all. She is fascinating. I feel like we need to make a trip over to New York just to see her and hang out. We are. Well, we've already said (laughs) that. We need to book this in. doesn't think that we are joking because we definitely were on your doorstep. But no, uh, Dr. Jessica Mack, she was so infectious. Like her personality just literally jumped through our laptops when we went through everything with her. Her story is incredible. She's so positive. It's just insane. And we love her recipes. We love her website. We love her Instagram. We love all of her blogs. We just, yeah, we adored her. So really, really hope that you enjoy this episode. Oh, and she's coming out with a podcast. So I'm not sure if it's launched yet, but by the time the episode comes out, we will link it in the description for you. So definitely check that out as well. Yeah, let's get into it. 
Jessica, thank you so much for coming on the show. And thank you for having me here as a guest. I appreciate it. And we just love your profile and we love your blog as well. And Sarah and I have been testing out your recipes. Yes. So I've tried the cookie dough with the Greek yogurt. I've already ate one. I have another one in the fridge. And I almost ate the other one last night, but I was like, no, I am taking a photo (laughs) before I eat the second one. (laughs) They're frozen or in the refrigerator and it's an easy, quick thing. And it's good for like a snack or kids or adults. So I'm glad to hear you tried it. And I made cookies. You can see you can see who's got the sweet tooth out of two of us, Jessica. Yeah. You inspired me to buy some. Are they mason jars? See, I'm yes, so, so behind the times. So yeah, so I've been making your salads. Oh, yay. I'm happy That's to hear amazing. that. They're easier than people think because if you just prep it ahead of time, they stay very fresh in the mason jars. Instead of plastic, it's healthier and they're convenient. And even if you're working at home, I love it because then when you're working from home, nobody steps away from their computer. So you can just, I mean, they should, but you can just grab it and, and eat it. Yeah, it's perfect. Then my next one that I want to do is the over overnight oats. Yes. Because um, you've got a couple of those on your blog, haven't you? So. Yeah, so many ways you can twist it like if you depending on the milk and the flavors that's another thing that I love because you can make those ahead of time the same day you're making the salads and just put everything in the refrigerator one caveat people sometimes get frustrated about the salad like how do they get the fork in you could, like pour it onto a plate or in a bowl or you can use a really long fork well, I'd say oh and you're drinking out of them that's a good maybe I should have my gin and tonic as well <laughs> sad but I love my mason jars <laughs> they are good you inspired us you inspired but us that. that's my mission in, in all seriousness that's my mission can you so I I obviously am a bit of a stalker, so I obviously know your background, (laughs) but could you give our wonderful followers your background? Because I think it's great. Absolutely. I am a retired occupational therapist, even though I think I'm very young. I went to school for occupational therapy. I got a master's in counseling, and then I got a postgraduate degree in educational leadership and policy. And then I went on to get my doctorate in occupational therapy, specializing in women's mental health and anxiety. And then during part of that, I was diagnosed with Crohn's colitis, which is interesting because they said they had features of both and also a blood disease known as myeloproliferative disorder. And there's a reason why I'm telling everyone this. They both became so debilitating that I was unable to work and I had to retire at a young age. And it was at the time it was devastating. So I was in bed all the time and I just started to think, well, what do I always love to do? And even in my therapy sessions, I would cook with people, with people with dementia or children with autism. And it was just a nice way to connect. So I started looking up recipes. I started also for myself and my health, trying to figure out ways that I could digest food or be healthy or even going to appointments, what I could bring with me. Uh, And then I just started writing recipes. So now I'm the proud creator. And now, although it was devastating to retire, it really helped open this whole other world for me. Um, I'm the proud creator of morethanmeatlessmonday.com, where we have all of these really good vegetarian recipes. And my mission really is that I just would love if people reduce their meat intake on their schedule. I don't like to ram vegetarianism. I don't like to shame people. My husband eats meat. My daughter eats meat. I'm like fine with whatever anyone wants to do. But I just think it it, it really is life-changing. And people want to know about vegetarianism, but they don't want to be shamed. So that's really the way I like to go. That's my angle. That's such a nice approach as well, isn't it? Because I think often enough, people get quite worried about going down a certain kind of nutrition plan because they think, oh, I don't want to remove a certain food type from my kind of nutrition, don't they? And then they worry it's all or nothing isn't it and I think that's what I really like about your blog is that even if you want to do it a day even if you want to do it half the week there's some really awesome recipes that you can try that are and they are they're really tasty we know and it's it's mixing it up isn't it exactly yeah it's a way to just show that it can be fun it's not just vegetables it's also my other mission was just to help my family and friends because 
well-meaning people would be like, oh my God, she's coming for dinner. What are we going to make? You know, and I'd be like, well, I can really eat pretty much anything. So it's a way to show people that it doesn't need to be complicated and it can be fun. And even if you want to try one meal and I know a big initiative is Meatless Mondays, but mine is really to show that there's more than Meatless Monday. You can just substitute a meal or a snack and it's just, it's become such a passion project and it's a lot of fun. And, it, and it, you're right. It's easy to do, isn't it? Really? Yeah, it is. Yeah. And if you want to throw chicken into one of my salads, do whatever you want. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I think it's the, it, Sarah, you said this, didn't you? It's really hard as well because I think sometimes when you go vegetarian or vegan, there's these kind of alternative foods, but they're full of rubbish. Yes, yes. Like fillers and we were, I was just having a conversation with, um, a client about that because, and I don't want to name any name brands, but sometimes these things are just filled with fillers. And so there's a lot of ways you can really get protein without even resorting to these faux meats, just wonderful plant-based sources. Even as someone with IBD or for anybody else, I was worried about that too. When I was very sick, I was thinking, how am I going to digest this? I couldn't eat raw vegetables. I couldn't eat raw fruits. So I found different ways to do it. Some things that I would love are like sweet potatoes because they're filled. You can really, you could do anything with them. You can cook them, you could fry them. You can even just steam one. So I was vegan for about about like eight years. That was before I was diagnosed with IBD. And so then I found I was eliminating as I got more and more sick. I was obviously eliminating more food from my diet. And then I've started reintroducing food, but I still find it's very plain. I try to stick to like white rice, potatoes. I do eat meat now and I eat eggs and fish. I stay away from, I'm celiac as well. So yeah, trying to find things that I can eat that are gluten-free and high in protein, but aren't legumes and not beans. And and I'm completely lactose intolerant. So my diet is just, I feel it's so impossible, but it'd be great to hear more protein sources and things that you can consume. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's one thing I want to make clear to everyone that's listening. I'm not a nutritionist or a dietitian. This is just all based on my own personal experience and recipes. One thing that I find to be really helpful is to use all types of nut butters. So either peanut butter or almond butter, sunflower butter, and I've used them in a variety of ways. Like you can put them in overnight oats. Oats are so versatile and believe it or not, they're a really good source of protein and they're filling. So you could make either an oatmeal bake. I mean, then also on the flip side, when you have IBD, sometimes you're in let's just be real. You're in the restroom a lot of times. So these are quick recipes that you could really make ahead of time. Things with nut butter, smoothies were always a great source of of protein. And it doesn't, if you're lactose intolerant, you can use like different um, alternatives, even like coconut milk, um, almond milk. But I would, I would make a lot of smoothies when I was really not feeling well at all. And that would be a great way to get protein. Have you ever tried powdered peanut butter? Oh no, I've seen it. I haven't tried it though. Is it good? It's so good. It has protein. It has less calories and you can add it to your yogurt or really anything that you want. And then even things, believe it or not, like cereals. I lived on rice cereals, especially when I was in the middle of a very bad flare or I would get fortified cereals. So like, um, what is it called? Total. I don't know. That's what they have in America anyway. Special K, things like that. They're really good sources of protein. A pea protein is another, I don't know if you guys have tried that. I used to also puree peas and make a hummus with them. Yeah. That was such a good source of protein, believe it or not. And it was broken down because I couldn't digest the fiber at that point. So you can puree it and even put it on a wrap. So that might be something you might want to try. Because you said that before, Sarah, you were talking, I think we were going to speak to Jessica about it, especially when you're experiencing a flare up or when you're newly diagnosed and you're thinking, oh my goodness, what can I eat? What can't I eat? We were talking about the inability to process and digest fruits and vegetables, isn't it? And you're really wanting to eat really, you know, nutritious foods, but you, yeah. you can't. 
Yeah, right. It almost irritates it. And that's when smoothies really came into to play for me. I would do smoothies or I would even really steam vegetables until they were almost just mushy because I, I really miss that mouth crunch, believe it or not. Yeah. And I used to joke, I'd be like, this is crazy that I miss the things that people hate so much. Like I missed exercising. Oh my God. I feel you. I crave salads. And like, actually the other night I was eating a massive salad. I'm like, I'm going to hate myself for this, but you just <laughs> crave it so badly. Yeah. Or like walnuts and grapes. Oh. Grapes are so bad for me, but I crave them. Oh my <laughs> God, I'm ridiculous. No, years and years ago, I went for some blood tests where they tested things that I was supposedly sensitive to. I forgot the name of the test, but it was recommended by my gastroenterologist. And I wanted to cry because it was like everything I ate, it was like tea. Well, you don't eat tea, but tea, total, like soybeans. It was so interesting. Now I'm in full remission. So um, amazing. Well, actually, they said my, my colon is burnt out. And I was like, what does that mean? But I'm not... <laughs> But yeah, so I'm able to eat a lot of the foods that I wasn't able to eat before. Are you plant-based or vegetarian? It's so funny. So there's like a, just I consider myself vegetarian because the plant-based, no offense, everyone listening, they get very upset. <laughs> it's just the plant-based. We're not completely plant-based. So like, I worry, like, mm. am I eating something that's not considered? So I consider myself vegetarian. And were you vegetarian before your diagnosis? Yes. So yeah. that's what made even a little more complicated because when I'd have to go on a bland diet, I stopped eating meat when I was like five or six because I was just didn't like the texture. But then I wasn't diagnosed till I was 35. So this was like a huge change. And the doctors sometimes would say like, you know, just eat a bland diet, have like boiled chicken and like, well, that's not going to work. But that's why these these recipes are really good. Like oats could fill you and they could be soothing even, you know, when they're warm, if you're in the middle of a flare. So it was really a big shift, but it really helped distract me. And if I could say that to anyone, like if you're in the middle of a flare or whatever, just know, even though you feel like you can't see, see the end of the road, it's temporary because even then... I'm going to get TMI, but whatever, we're all in the same boat. I just started like stocking books in the restroom. And I'm like, you know what? This will just be my library time. So I would read books. I love that. So productive. Right? And then even as a therapist, I was thinking, funny that I'm not calling it bathroom. I'm calling it a restroom. So like there's ways to reframe it, even though it sucks. And when you're in the middle of it, you can't get out of your own head. There's ways you really could make your life a little easier. Jessica, do you feel that because you worked in healthcare, for so long before, do you think that helped you in relation to your own diagnosis and being able oh. to be quite positive and, and think about different avenues and explore different things and try and test things? That's a great question. I think it's a combination of three things. I think it was a combination of my professional background, also my personality. That's just kind of the way I've always been, like just a hopeless optimist. But <laughs> like my background, my parents, I have like a, a British and German and Czech background where it's like, all right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like you have to get up. And at the time, my daughter was six months old when I was diagnosed with both diseases. It was, a, you guys know if you've been in, it was a complete nightmare. And I remember my dad came over. I just had a bone marrow biopsy and I was crying. And my daughter was on the, you know, crawling around. And I'm, I'm like, I can't do this. And my dad said, you're not going to die on your knees. You're going to get up and you have a baby here and you're going to figure out a way to, and I was like, and that's what worked for me. Like some people were like, God, oh, that was so callous. But I'm like, you know what? You're right. This is here, whether I like it or not. I mean, there's times that I've cried about it, but curling up in a ball is not going to change. I'm, I'm going to have this. So I think it's a combination of three things, my, my personality, my background, and then my professional background. It is funny though, isn't it? People have often asked me before, what would you say you need to kind of deal with stuff? And I've always said personality. And yes. I just think if you can yes. kind of take the mick out of yourself, well, I mean, I, that's, that's how I kind of live my life is just taking <laughs> the mick out of situations. Cause I always find as well, Jessica, when you kind of bring humor to situations, it makes 
everyone more relaxed not yes. just yourself but everyone else in the room is more comfortable and especially if you're taking the mickey out of yourself Love that. but making them feel more comfortable you know and I just think it's really important when you're going through illness or something really tragic or traumatic to have that personality still because you have to it really is a way to survive and I I love the the phrase about if you are a victor or a victim. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to have this. I could either be a victim. And again, I'm not minimizing the need to be upset. And there's days that I would just be like, I'm not doing anything. But you really have to be the victor in your own life and take control and just say, this is the way it is. And it helps if you have people, like you said, around you who support you. You know, my husband, very supportive. My daughter, this is all she knew. So like we'd be driving and I'd be like, ah! And we live run <laughs> diner, and that's all she knows. We've talked about it. And when she would say, you know, I feel like you missed a lot of things, but I said to my husband, like, our daughter lives a very good life. And on one hand, I'm glad she has like some cross to bear because this is her thing. You know, like growing up, my parents didn't have a lot of money. You're right. It keeps, I think it keeps children in particular very humble because they've seen both sides and yes. they see that not everything's perfect and you can have ill health and it can happen overnight. That's all she's known, but yeah. it's, a, it's a good introduction, isn't it? To life can be right. difficult or well, life I, is difficult. Exactly. There's, there's peaks and valleys. And it, I think it's also helpful Like when you mentioned, it makes people more comfortable around you for people around you to know what's going on. Because in the beginning, when I was very sick and I was trying to practice as a therapist and I'd have to run out of places or I'd be late for meetings or I'd be driving between appointments and have to pull over on the side. I mean, I'm not going to like terrorize everyone with these stories, but I didn't tell everybody in the beginning. Major problem for me personally and professionally because people didn't know. So they were like, oh, she's happy. She's fine. You know, either she's got Maybe she has a Trump problem. Maybe she, nobody knew what was going on. But <laughs> she no keeps one, nipping in that toilet. <laughs> I think that's a very good point. Like we need to share with the people around us, not only so they're comfortable, but so we can take away the stigma. And also so people know like, all right, she's, or they'd be like, oh, she's late again. It's like, well, if you want to know why I was late. Do you find as well, because you're very bubbly, you're a very naturally, very charismatic person. People don't, I hate to say, think you're unwell. Yes. But do they, do you think that it, you've got such a lovely and bubbly personality that it works against you sometimes because people yes. are, or you know in the past haven't thought you have been unwell yes I have like goosebumps when you're saying this that's always been the biggest problem because I've always just seen the bright side of it people well there's no bright side of certain things but I've always been energetic but yeah so that was a big problem because people would say oh you don't seem sick or you don't look sick or they wouldn't believe it or they're like oh you're fine you know you were happy or I saw you out like They'll, they'll refer to things like that. And yeah, it almost could be a problem, even though it's gotten me through difficult situations. There are, it could be a deficit sometimes. Yeah. And don't worry about your stories. Cass shares the most embarrassing stories ever. I don't think you could ever top her. So, <laughs> yeah, cause I, so there are some bright sides to this. So we moved from a beach town to the suburbs when our daughter was in kindergarten. And I wasn't sure if I wanted to move where we live. I was very sick at the time. My daughter was at the playground. I was about to walk over and I lost complete control of my vowels. I had a dress on and I was vomiting. And there was two people there. And I just was like, everybody turn around. Like I went, and I'm like, nobody look. I could laugh about it now. But I made everybody turn around. It was like the entire playground went silent. And the teacher pulled me in, helped, luckily she had clothes there. My neighbor was with my daughter who doesn't even remember this, thank God. The silver lining is there was two women that I didn't even know. And they messaged me on Facebook separately and said, we saw what happened to you in different variations, but, and it's not our story to tell. We're not going to tell anybody. And I was like, oh "Oh my God. And two of my closest friends now, they barely remember. But like, to me, that was such a traumatic, I'd never lost control of my vows in public. And here I was in a new school on a busy road 
in front of all these people I didn't know. And that's but such it, a traumatic thing to go through, isn't it? Especially, you know, in that scenario, in that situation, it's just awful. Awful. But then to see the bright side of humanity, because I thought, here we go. This is why I don't want to move here. People, blah, blah, blah. You know, all these stories. And people couldn't have been kinder. And then everybody else had some sort of story. So that's a good point, too. Like, we all have this, this struggle together. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's what I, Jessica, that's what I said right at the start when we first started the podcast. I'm not, I'm not going to hold back with my stories. And I'll, yes, I'll, Yes. I'll hopefully just make everyone feel all right. You know, I've been there. I'll give you the stories <laughs> just to make you feel better. Uh, yeah. Did you specialize in women's mental health, did you say? Well, so I specialized for my doctoral program. I really worked with children for most of my professional years, but I was very interested in women's health, just obviously being a woman and then starting to go through my own health challenges, especially with women having so many roles, whether you're a mother or not, but working this perception, like that's why I love this podcast, because there's this perception that IBD is disgusting or it's like women, we can't talk about it. I absolutely love that you guys are doing this as your mission because more people need to talk about it and not be embarrassed. Oh, thank you. Embarrassed together. <laughs> exactly. And that's, that, that's, you know, that's what Sarah and I said right from the start. We just, well, we just wanted to make people laugh, didn't we, Sarah? That was our... I think at least in the season, we're excited to get more people on such as yourself with mm-hmm. different tips and ideas and things that you can bring on board. And just hearing people's experience, um, I think that makes others feel like they're not alone and we're all going through it. Our experiences are different, of course, but we're kind of together through it all. And if we're all experiencing the same things and it's not as embarrassing. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. We would look at both of you and say, wow, there's no way that they have an illness or that they have this chronic disease. So it's, it's funny because even in my, my mind, I'm thinking, wow, they don't look like they, isn't that funny? (laughs) We get it from doctors all the time too. Don't worry. (laughs) That's the worst part. In the beginning, I was diagnosed with anxiety just because I'm high energy. Irritable. It's like, no, there's something else going on. So it's it's, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because we've heard some, well, we have, Sarah, haven't we? We've heard some horror stories for from people's diagnosis periods absolute horror stories and you do you you know you said a minute ago Jessica you you have goosebumps on your arms I was listening to someone the other day and I literally just had goosebumps listening to her and the Mm -hmm. the diagnosis period that she went through and and the experience she had you just you wouldn't wish it on anyone yeah you understand that there's so many symptoms and it's not a bashing of any clinician or doctor or any anyone out there it's you know we know that it's really hard to get diagnosed but it's just so upsetting to hear what people go through sometimes especially when they haven't got people to maybe advocate on their behalf or be with them Sarah and I've always said we're quite you know outgoing women so you know even as a child when I was getting diagnosed I was just saying no (laughs) like telling the doctors off and saying I'm not taking meds I'm not having an operation this is ludicrous I got plans you know so we've always been quite kind of outgoing and stuff and I guess if you haven't got that confidence that must be so difficult to go through that diagnosis period yeah right when you don't have that or even if you don't have the family support that's actually a good point people just keep talking to people until people hear you and and believe you can we ask you about your diagnosis and how that went it's crazy I again I don't want to put fertility drugs down I had no issues and I took a lot of fertility drugs and then I started experiencing some symptoms and then again, we're not bashing the medical field, but I, people would write it off as, oh, it's hemorrhoids or, um, you're just nervous because you're trying to get pregnant, like these sort of things. And then in my pregnancy, my symptoms kicked up a little bit more. 
Uh, but again, I was told it was hemorrhoid. Prior to that, I had a sigmoidoscopy, which was no fun because there was no no anesthesia or anything. And I, I heard you guys talking to podcast too, how differently it is in the different countries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah very different. Horrible <laughs> in the UK. Yeah. No, they keep like, me awake. And then they have like oh. the two big screens so that you can yeah. see everything and they can see them taking yeah. the biopsies. I, I feel like I'm traumatized from it still. Like they would, they'd give you like pain medicine and stuff, but you're still wide awake. Where in Canada, apparently they completely completely knock you out. So you just go to sleep, you wake up and it's done. Yeah. In the United States, they typically give you a propofol and you're out and it's such an easy experience, but the, yeah. for some reason, it was not, it sounds kind of like what you had. So then they said, Oh, you have a little bit of inflammation. And then I thought, whatever, um, our daughter was born. Then I started, I'm very into exercise. I started training for a endurance race. And then I didn't know at the time I started eating uh, NSAIDs like Advil, non-steroidal type of thing. And I was eating it like candy because I was having muscle things. And then I remember the exact date. It was April 16th, 2011. My daughter was in the bath. And then all of a sudden I just had this insane cramping that I've never had before. And then just, I don't, I'll just say blood, just gushing beyond belief and weight loss. But at the time I thought, oh, I'm just losing my pregnancy weight. I was tired. Then I went to one gastro um, who gave me, I got the colonoscopy. I was diagnosed, but the pills they gave were like, enormous. So I couldn't swallow them. And so he said, you can open them. So I started opening them. And then that became a whole other problem. And then I was diagnosed with this blood disorder, but it took time to get there because I was told, you know, hemorrhoids, um, you're sleep deprived, you're, and I'm like, no, this is not normal for me. So it took a long, it took a long time. And then um, I kind of went around to different doctors. And then the last couple of years, I've been really lucky to be under the treatment of a fabulous doctor. And the one before that was fabulous too, because she had suggested a biologic, which I did not want to take. I was so against, and it actually changed my life. It really, really changed my life. So it was a tough diagnosis process because also I was a new mother. I had, I was trying to juggle family and sleep and, and even just any sort of role that we have when you're in the middle of a flare up, you never know when you're going to be running to the restroom. You never know. I was just going to say, you still taking medication now or have you Yes. So I'm on Intivio. I go every six weeks, which is huge because I was doing every four weeks and it still wasn't working. It completely changed my life. I tried to take a more like a naturalistic approach. And I was like thinking all these horrible things, but that's why these groups and podcasts and stuff like that are great because I found out I joined a group with other people who take it. I mean, there's some hard stories, but yeah. What about you guys? Are you guys on medications? No, so I've been really fortunate, Jessica. I, when I was about 13, I was put on steroids and some anti-inflammatories. Okay. Um, I reacted quite badly to the steroids. So my mum actually said to the doctors, she's, I think because I had started my period, so it was a great time. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I started my periods. I was becoming a really horrible, sorry, mum, teenager. <laughs> she didn't like me till I was 24. She openly admits that. I was a very hormonal teenager. And I think taking steroids made me really quite aggressive and quite yes. um, not being able to manage my, my temper. So mum kind of took me to the doctor and, and took me off those. And then I was on the anti-inflammatories or whatever they are for a couple of years. Is, but okay. um, then I started as a kid researching kind of nutrition and I, oh. same as you I love my exercise so I've always been really sporty and I swear that kind yeah. of got me through my kind of journey and still does now and then I haven't yeah I haven't taken any med- medication since probably I was 15 so I'm 37 now wow that is that is yeah. unbelievable mine's opposite um <laughs> <laughs> oh 
you're not a success. No, just kidding. You're, you're going to be a success story too. <laughs> Actually, at the moment, I'm not on any medication. However, when I was initially diagnosed, I went through so many medications. Nothing was working. I ended up having to get, um, well, I got one blood transfusion. I needed a second. Oh, I said no to it, um, but I was just losing so much blood. I was extremely yes. anemic, went through so many different types of medication. I was put on biologicals as well at one point when I stayed on those for quite a few years. I was on chemotherapy for a bit. Oh, um, yeah. So yeah, I went through like quite a few when I was in the hospital for a long stint. They brought the surgeon to me a couple times and I just kept saying no because I didn't want it. And I was out of it. They weren't selling it to me. I ended up finding a Chinese medicine doctor that I have worked with over the years. And honestly, I think it's the only drug that really worked. The biologicals and the chemo worked initially. Then the chemo made me way too sick. I couldn't function. Yeah. I stayed on the biologicals for quite a few years and then they stopped working. And so the doctors Mm -hmm. wanted to put me on something else, but the particular medication they were trying to get me on, my mom was like, no, she she looked into it and she was like, absolutely not. Every time I do start to get a flare up, I just reach out to my doctor. He's based in the UK and he'll ship me the drugs anywhere in the world because I travel a lot. That usually settles it down. But I've said before, like it's such a personal thing. I'm all for, if you have to take the chemo, if you have to take the biologicals, take them because they did get me stable and saved me from having to do the surgery. You just pick your poison really is what I say. I'm okay at the moment, knock on wood, but with all yeah. the stress in my life right now, I feel like I'm a, I'm do a flare. The fact that I'm not in a flare right now, <laughs> mind-blowing. Same what happened with me that it was either surgery and same thing. I had lost so much blood. I had lost so much weight from the medicine I was taking. Now you can tell, but my teeth I'm missing in the back from getting sick from it. So really was a nightmare. I really had no, I think I was in the restroom, no joke, about 50 times a day. And then at night getting an hour of sleep, like I used to like hunker down by like eight o'clock, even prior to that. But just because I was like, it's going to be a long night, the biologic, they finally sold me on and it really changed my life. Amazing. Oh, I'm so happy it's working. Do you get side effects, Jessica? Sorry. No. So initially I, my side effects, I, I had a lot, I still get fatigued the day of the infusion, but it used to be a lot. There was some hair loss, believe it or not, but I don't know if that was from being malnourished. My teeth, I still have a little bit of an issue with because they said it prevents some of the saliva. But the real side effects is that I really, it's going to sound like I'm on a commercial, but I have my life back. (laughs) (laughs) I really do have my life back. I'm enjoying food. I'm enjoying, the thing is I, I would still just go about my life. Like we were talking about Disney World and we brought our daughter there when, when she was like five and I was locked in the bathroom and all I kept hearing was like, it's a small world. And I was like, Uh, but so I still did the stuff. So people see her and they're like, Oh my God, she, she's fine. If they knew the backstory, you know, that I spent most of the trip either vomiting or bleeding, they would, they would know. Fingers up to all the music in the, in the restroom. (laughs) A total, total nightmare. But, but coming back to the food that that was really a savior for me because I was home so much and I would just have my laptop in the bed. And then I just started building like a site and looking for food. Cause then you become food obsessed when you can't eat. I was basically starving. Yes. I was obsessed with finding healthy food. And that's really, really how I came to getting the blog and trying to share recipes and for all types of people. It's amazing. And it must be so therapeutic for you as well. Yes, it is. The, the photography and sharing and then even just cooking like on Instagram. Now I have a, a weekly show where I either cook alone or I cook with someone else and I interview them. So it's really, it's really very therapeutic. It gives me something to look forward to because I really was forced into this early retirement. And then because of that, I lost like part of my identity, you know, and I was like, what am I going to do? And because that was my role, that was my life for almost 20 years. So it really is not only a passion project, but it saved my life. I think when you naturally work with people and care for people and, and have that kind of mentality, it's really difficult to not carry on. 
So you're, yes. you're still what? really caring for people, aren't you? But in a really, like a, in a different way. Yes, that's so true. And that's really it. Like food really connects people. And that's really how I show people I care for them. That's so true. Like I'll either share a recipe or I'll share, I'll literally cook for them and, and bring it to them. And that's how I like to care for my family. And my friends make fun of me. They're like, is this 1950? Because I feed my husband every meal. Like <laughs> You're making us all look bad, Jessica. Yeah. <laughs> you'll see him in the background mopping and vacuuming so it's not how to do everything but <laughs> that's amazing oh, that. and so and you said you you love to exercise what sort of exercise do you do oh and see exercise also kept me through that too every pretty much everything I cycle indoor cycle run one thing I missed again like nobody missed it. I miss running because I was a runner but then there's so many places that I walk by and I'm like ew like I think about what happened when I went running and I'm like oh my god um running strength training yoga I love it all I try to work out like at least six days a week and it's just always been a part and and even when you're in a flare so if people listening are in a flare just do some gentle things at home you could like look on youtube or even stretching just doing some sort of movement absolutely Maybe. can i ask about so you worked with uh or assisted people with stress management and anxiety management do you yes. have any tips or any recommendations for that i know i struggle with anxiety i'm trying at the moment to manage it naturally but um, <laughs> some days are better than others <laughs> yeah the thing that i would say that i always told everybody is really just knowing it's so normal like anxiety I think gets such a bad rap and we all try to fight it because when I was really in the middle of a bad flare, I was, I was even having panic. I'd never experienced anything like that, like panic attacks. It was, it was goosebumps again. It was horrible. But I think, well, I know the reason why is because I was fighting it. And then I started to realize, like I would advise everyone else, if you're happy, you're just like, okay, I'm happy. Or if you're sad, I'm sad. But when we're anxious, we all get like in a tizzy, like, oh my God, I have to get this uncomfortable feeling away. So I think the first thing would be just identify it. And then just different practices that helped me were meditation. I use an app for it, but you could even just listen on, again, like YouTube or nutrition. So that's another reason why I really felt very strongly about these uh, recipes, good nutrition. I get outside every day, no matter what the thing is. And even humor, like I know um, you guys mentioned before humor. I would even in the middle of like a very anxious state, I would pull up a funny clip or watch something on demand or like watch an old stand-up routine that someone did. So those are like major, major parts of it. But really the big thing would be identify it and just know, like let it float by, you know, as, as hard as it sounds. It's so true. And you don't so hear true. that often because you do. It's like immediately, as soon as you feel anxiety, you want to fix it. So you're like, what do I do? Am I supposed to like get grounded or do this or do that? Like coming up with all these ideas instead of just sitting with the feelings and kind of figuring out where it's coming from. And one thing I have learned is kind of, I guess, coming back to the moment, like you said, and just experience it. And then also realize like your body, like you're not about to die. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I also sometimes look at it like a toddler, like or someone who's being annoying, not the toddlers are annoying, but someone who's annoying, <laughs> just, if you just ignore them, it goes away. And the same thing with anxiety. Like I'd be like, all right, because I don't know if you guys curse on the podcast. Do you curse on the podcast? Oh, yeah. oh my God. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> my mentor and he's fat. I love him. His name's Dr. Marty Seath. He completely changed my life. And I was talking to him about really my anxiety about what if I like lose control. And he's like, so what you shit your pants. And I was like, I never, it was so freeing. For someone to say, oh my God, whatever. Cause I was so like taboo and it was the same thing. He's like, so what? You have a panic attack. And I was like, that's so New York and so annoying, but it's so true. What? Like, so what? You're going to, you're going to deal with it. So as much as it sounds like I'm minimizing it, that's such a big way of doing it too. Like whatever you have anxiety, it's just, you're uncomfortable. Let's just move on. It's quite a simple way of looking at it actually, isn't it? Yes. Right. Because for years, 20 years, I studied it over and over. And we used to talk about 
distract yourself, label it, distract. It was all about distraction. And then finally, Dr. Seif taught me at first when I was learning from him as a mentee, but then as a patient. And then I thought, oh my God, you're right. Like, I'm just going to label it and we're not going to fight the dissociation feelings and we're not going to fight. We're just going to be like, all right, and that's it. And just kind of move on. It's a really good way because you do, you, you, you want to you want to feel okay, don't you? You want to feel kind of back in control so quickly and actually not kind of feeling it and going through it doesn't actually help. Yeah, think of the things that the three of us all experience now. If we can handle that, you can handle being uncomfortable for a little bit. Again, not minimizing true. I know we wanted to just talk about the planning ahead, but that's part of it too. And I know we really touched on at the beginning. So if you plan ahead for things and even like prep a little bit of the food, that can be a way to even distract you if you're not feeling good. Yes. So like cleaning the meals ahead of time. Oh, and I, I also saw there are a few studies. Again, I'm not ramming vegetarianism down anywhere, but that limiting red and processed meat really can help with IBD symptoms. So I hope that if people even just want to like minimize meat intake for a meal or they'll see that it's not as scary, it's not as boring. There are a lot of good options and you could still get your protein and your fruits and vegetables wherever you are in the spectrum of health. I really like how you mentioned at the beginning about your recipes being quite easy to do. Part of having IBD is that fatigue as well and being really tired. And it's so hard to prepare a meal and bring yourself to get out of bed and cook this lush meal when all you want to do is sleep and you're like, okay, I need nutrition of some sort. So making (laughs) meals really easy and quick, I think makes such a difference, but then also delicious as well. That's my mission. You want to make it easy, delicious, nutritious, and then you could feel like you accomplished something. I know a lot of times when you have an illness or even if you don't, there's always like, we're so task oriented, like, oh, I got nothing done today. But then if you made a meal, you made a meal and that's huge. It's so true. So true. Because I feel like Cass and I are, I I know Cass and I are workaholics. And if I don't like tick off at least 15 to 20 items of things I need to do in a day, I feel like I've got nothing done. But that's a really good point. Like celebrating those small achievements, like making your bed, cooking a meal, those things, they are, they take a lot of energy as well. Yeah. Yeah, And I know you mentioned a sweet tooth. One of my favorite recipes on, I'm going to plug more than meatlessmonday.com. Are these yeah, energy- of course, that's why you're yeah. here. You can make with all types of nut butter and then oats and then chocolate or anything. And that's another really good recipe. And it's a good snack. And like, if you're running to appointments or if you're working or whatever you want, it's just a nice way to satisfy your sweet tooth and it gives you protein and it's not too tough. I mean, if you could digest oats and things like that, it's not too tough on your system. So it's my, I think it's called Energy Bites on my website. It's so true as well, Jessica, isn't it? Because I find as well, when I plan my breakfast, lunch and dinners, like because I actually write them down now, because in my head, I just feel a little bit more in control of the next day or the next couple of days. I notice I'm so much healthier within my week and I don't spend as much money. I like to do that too, usually on Sundays, even though my husband says he feels like I'm like a preschool teacher. We do a calendar. And- <laughs> I love it. I did mine last night. Oh, oh, mine's love- color coded. I'll show you. I'll show you. I mean, people can't see, but I'm holding up my, I'm in love with oh my, my God, planner. I love it. <laughs> so on Sunday, we sit down and we talk not only about what our expectations for the week and what our plans are, but the meals. And that makes a huge, it makes a huge difference because you can prep and you can plan. And if you do that just for like an hour or two on a Sunday, if you can, then the rest of the week is really easy. Do you know what? I've started being a bit more organized from New Year's, Jessica, and I've been doing that. So so I don't miss anyone's birthdays, any anniversaries of my friends, you know, things that I'd really, because I'd been so busy towards the end of the year, I had let slide. So I have, I've color coded everything. I did it again last night for the week. And I do even so much as what what days I can exercise, you know, outside, what days I can go to the gym, what days I can play um, tennis, you know, yeah. things like that. And you, you look at your work schedule so you can, you're, you're doing really cool stuff for you, your psychological and physical health, but it's just yeah. planning ahead, isn't it? Yeah. It's like any appointment. I always used to tell my clients that like, even, 
you make a dentist appointment, you'd write that down every day. It really should be carving out those chunks of time. And that's why it really doesn't have to be complicated. Eating healthy does not have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be a million ingredients. It can be very easy. It can be easy on your system, depending on what kind of diet you have to follow. Just keep it simple. And I know that's been like my theme, but it really doesn't have to be complicated. And everyone's got to check out your blog because I absolutely love it. Me and Sarah have loved it, haven't we? We've literally been going through everything. I literally did. I ordered eight of these. I was so excited. Mason jars seem to be a very North American thing because they're quite common in Canada as well. Like for my grandma having them when she'd pickle fruits and vegetables and, but yeah, I don't think they're as popular in the UK. So we'll start a trend over there, Cass. Yeah, I am definitely everyone. Yeah. I just think they're awesome. It's such a good idea. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I just had Don who lives in Wales a few weeks ago on my cooking show and she was like a Mason jar. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm so embarrassed that I love them so much. She didn't know what it was, but yeah, I love them. It must be North American. They're popular in England for drinking. Drinking because my very my very cool friends who live in London and the very do you not remember this there a few years ago everyone started drinking out of these jars in London Uh, no no. (laughs) (laughs) I can say yes yeah totally absolutely (laughs) maybe it was the hipster side of London yeah (laughs) the east side I lived in the west (laughs) it wasn't the places you went to sad definitely not. So Jessica, what else is going to be, what else are you going to be up up to? Yeah. Oh, so I have a few exciting things. So not only more than meatlessmonday.com, I do a weekly cooking show. It's called What's Cooking Wednesdays. It's on my Instagram, which is Dr. Jessica Mack. And I'm launching a podcast. So called What's Cooking. So I would love to have you guys as a guest in the future. And it really just talks about not only cooking, but connection and relationships. So that's coming up. And then I have another site, (laughs) drjessicamack.com. And I have some digital courses there. Courses at your own pace about healthy eating and emotional eating. And I'm launching a new one about habits. So that'll be coming up. Jessica, do you do any coaching? I do. Yes. So not life coaching, but business coaching. Yeah. And I used to I do thought you did. I can I, tell. <laughs> but I do. Yes. That's another way I've combined it all. So how can, how can people reach you in relation to your business coaching and stuff? Uh, you can head to drjessicamath.com and you could go there for contact me or just, I love meeting people. I hate saying slide into my DMs, but slide into my DM. I'm always on there and um, more than Meatless Monday too. There's a there's a um, area where people can connect with me through there. I love connecting with people and I would love to to chat. And I appreciate you guys doing this and spreading the word and taking the stigma out of IBD. It's so important. And I appreciate you guys having me here. You have been absolutely infectious and you're incredible. Guys too, I mean that. And when you come here to New York, let me know. I'm serious. Both absolutely. of you. We will. we will definitely take you up on that offer. <laughs> we we love to travel and we love to pop in and see our friends worldwide. So we'll be there. Lots Thanks. of love, Jessica. Take care. Bye. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. We have a lot of exciting interviews coming up with a range of different people. Definitely subscribe so you don't miss an episode and follow us on Instagram at pop to the loop podcast. Everything will be linked in the description so you can find everything there. Love you guys. Love you. Bye.